Trump, the Proud Boys, and the Reinvention of White Supremacy Within the Roots of Punk Rock by Charlie Vargas. During the first of three presidential debates, President Trump was asked by Chris Wallace of Fox News if he would disavow white supremacists and militia groups. Trump followed by asking the Proud Boys to stand down and stand by, which drew criticism from outside and within his party. Post-debate, the Proud Boys capitalized on President Trump's shout-out and incorporated the statement into their merchandise. Trump's comments shouldn't come as a surprise for two reasons, one being that he's hesitated to disavow hate groups before. During a press conference in 2017, when asked about the violence between white supremacists and counter-protesters, he responded by saying, He also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Trump took the opportunity to say that both sides had agitators, but hesitated to condemn the violence outright until pressed by the reporter for clarification. Coincidentally, a former member of the Proud Boys, Jason Kessler, helped organize the Unite the Right demonstration in Charlottesville. The second reason Trump refuses to denounce these groups is that he knows it will cause a reaction from those he seeks to agitate. For example, Trump has a running joke that he will not leave office when his term is up or if he's defeated. At a petrochemical plant, Trump reportedly told an audience, go do hashtag third term, hashtag fourth term, it'll drive them totally crazy. This type of agitation-driven humor seeks to undermine the anti-establishment order that Trump finds validating. Another space where an embrace for authoritarianism took place, despite its anti-authority ideology, was in the punk rock scenes. Its embrace, just like Trump's flirtation with hate groups, had a goal of provocation. A tweet I recently read by Becca Lewis best summarizes the politics behind this embrace. Her tweet was a response to another tweet of a photo of Johnny Rotten, John Linden, lead singer of the Sex Pistols, wearing a Make America Great Again shirt. It's significant because when the punk movement started in the 70s, they espoused an ideology that was anti-authority and anti-mainstream, just as Trump used in his 2016 presidential campaign. Lewis tweeted, I feel like punk rockers consistently becoming reactionary over time is the best recurring lesson that being anti-mainstream and anti-authority is not the same as being genuinely politically subversive. As Lewis points out in her tweet, it is hardly meaningful if these groups embrace authority if their end goal is to serve their interests or the interests of power structures within politics. In essence, being politically subversive would encompass working to dismantle the political establishment in place, not merging with it as Johnny Rotten did with MAGA and Trump did with the establishment, or as he would say, the swamp. The anti-establishment rhetoric circulated by Trump requires followers to trust them and his administration to change the system to their benefit. In the process, his followers become reactionaries and part of the establishment they so vehemently opposed in the first place. The Sex Pistols, Susie and the Banshees, and other punk rock groups in the emergence of the scene also flirted with or fully embraced fascism. They would wear swastikas and armbands to be provocative. They said they didn't really believe in the ideology and they just wanted to incite a reaction. Susie, frontwoman of Susie and the Banshees, said in her book England's Dreaming that she and other punks during the time would wear armbands with the symbol to antagonize older generations. In a quote from the book, Susie said, We hated older people, not across the board, but generally the suburban thing, always harping on about Hitler and how we showed him and that smug pride. It was a way of saying, well, I think Hitler was very good, actually, a way of watching someone like that go completely red-faced. The pleasure of provoking establishment figures in Trump's view, or the older generation's morality from a 70s punk view, had a similar outcome. It emboldens hate groups to mobilize all for the sake of maintaining an image, no matter the cost. In the European punk scene, even if the supposed intention of wearing swastikas wasn't in line with the fascist ideology of the Nazis, it still attracted far-right and fascist groups like the National Front. The National Front saw it as an opportunity to recruit young punk rockers who identified with anti-establishment rhetoric in the 80s within the music scenes. The influence of fascism later drifted its way into America's hardcore punk scene during the 80s and 90s, but not without a fight for what punk could be 
when it truly applied as an anti-authority and anti-fascist movement. In an NPR interview, Christian Picciolini, now a former neo-Nazi and leader of the Free Radicals Project, aimed to disengage and prevent extremism, described how influential punk rock was in driving white supremacist propaganda. Picciolini described how the neo-Nazi punk image was bad for convincing the average American racist to join their cause, so the movements consciously reinvented themselves. So we decided then to grow out our hair, to stop getting tattoos that would identify us, to trade in our boots for suits, and to go to college campuses and recruit there, and enroll to get jobs in law enforcement, to go to the military, and get training, and to even run for office, Picciolini said. In the interview, he also said that terms like white nationalists and alt-right were created by neo-Nazis to seem more identifiable and less hateful. In a more recent interview with Democracy Now!, Picciolini commented on the president's remark of the Proud Boys. If I were a Proud Boy, which essentially is version 2.0 of a neo-Nazi skinhead, I would see that as a call to arms, specifically against anti-fascist groups and protesters like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, Picciolini said. Trump's failure to condemn the Proud Boys and his enablement illustrates he has an ideological sympathy for the group. He also understands that they can serve as a force of intimidation when he needs them to be, whether it's to counter protesters along with police or to intimidate at the polls. He knows they'll be standing by, and although Trump is just a symptom, not the cause that drives these groups to mobilize, mobilization to remove him from office at the polls is a must if we seek to dissipate hate.